G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We talk about what's happening in the Ukrainian context. A little bit of a twist on a conversation around Ukraine as we get things underway this morning on 2020 uh, with the application of some biblical wisdom as to how conflict begins. And no doubt God's wisdom has personal application but also application to international relationships and conflict. I want to make a special welcome back to 2020. Andrew McColl is Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. Andrew, welcome back. Hello, Neil. Nice to talk to you and nice to be with our listeners again today. Hey, Andrew, let's start with biblical foundations. I mentioned we've got to be able to somehow rather wrestle with and glean some wisdom from Scripture when it comes around issues like conflict. Uh, give us your insights into where we might start. Well, what, one text that we can begin with, Neil, is from James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, which says, What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. That is real biblical wisdom in that, identifying the sources of your quarrelling, the sources coming back to envy and lust, uh, those sorts of issues. And as I say, sometimes applying those in a personal context and the application of scriptural biblical wisdom into all sorts of uh, contexts, even international conflict. Hey, you've got your own family story to tell, uh, some personal reflection on wars. Give us a, a little, in a nutshell, insight into your own family history here, Andrew. Yeah, well, three generations of my family have participated in conflicts, World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam with four of those six men being killed. I've got a a copper plaque that was sent to my family when my great-uncle was killed in France in 1917. It states that that, uh, he died for freedom and honour. And my question is, well, whose freedom and whose honour? And as some of us would be aware, World War I was an utterly stupid and pointless war begun through the arrogance and incompetence of of Europe's political leaders. And the lives of 60,000 Australians were spent in that conflict. And I would say, here we are, 110 or so years later, what for? Because 20 years later, those nations were back to war again and the Australian government felt obligated to help. Why would that be? And uh, so I I I have this, as you say, a personal... uh, or my family's involved in this to some degree, and uh, kind of aware that that war doesn't always work out the way people think it might, and they, they tend to last a lot longer. And once they've been begun, they're very hard to stop easily because once you start the ball rolling, well, where's this going to go from here? 
And, of course, and there, Andrew, other... just before we move on, of course, we are global citizens, aren't we, as a nation? And reflecting back to World War One, and uh, we're all familiar with the Anzac legend uh, that really helped to forge the identity of Australians, uh, those diggers that lost their lives in the trenches. Uh, as you say, uh, you know, what a pointless, dreadful loss of life. But there is a sense in which we are global citizens and we get caught up in these things because we're allied uh, with other forces that are involved in uh, these conflicts, whether they start well or whether they start with lies and deceit. Well, that's true. We are we are global citizens. We are we are part of a, a, a kind of a global neighbourhood. But we have to get make sure we get our facts straight before we go and and go and get our rifles and, and bullets and pack our car keys and off we go. Because very many times, wars begin with some level of deception, and and we have to make sure that we get all the facts before we jump to conclusions, well, I think that's the best way, rather than hearing one part of a dispute or a conflict and thinking, oh, well, we'd we better go in now and get this thing organised, when in fact there may be a backstory to these two wars, and there very commonly is a backstory that is not publicised at the time. And if we were to take our time and find out what that backstory might be, we might be rather, rather more reluctant to jump on ships and planes and dash off to some conflict thinking that we can help solve the problems. It is and I challenging. Think we can look at one example of that. I was going to say uh, it is challenging, isn't it? Because sometimes it's hard to know who to believe and what to believe. But you've got some other you've got some other examples uh, from uh, World War One back up to World War Two, and then even beyond into the Vietnam War. Uh, give us uh, your insight here. Well, we know that well, we possibly don't know. I mean, not, you know, th- these facts are not sort of bandied about. But the, you know, my brother went off to the to the uh, Vietnam War in about nineteen sixty nine, I think it was. But we we didn't know then. But later on, we found out that that war was a commence with, with a uh, a presidential lie by, by President Johnson because he claimed that that the, the North Vietnamese ships had fired at U.S. ships up in the Gulf of Tonkin. We, we later discovered that that never happened, but it was good enough kind of pretext to start a war, wasn't it? So that was what was utilised to get that war going. Now. What that led to was 58,000 US troops and 500 Australians died up there, and they died for a lie. And we have, we have yeah, more recent occasions like Iraq, and we all heard for weeks and weeks that there were allegations about WMDs, the so-called weapons of mass destruction. Well, the weapons of mass destruction were never there, and they were never found. So we realised that we were lied to. We had all these supposed photographs of these things, but they weren't actual photographs at all. They were doctored ones. They were put together. So when we hear about Russia and the Ukraine and conflict and so on, we have to begin with a certain amount of scepticism. Are we hearing all of the truth? And would there be parties to these conflicts who have a vested interest in only publicising one side of the whole exercise. And, and, and what we also know is that the first casualty of war is truth. Truth gets 
trodden on and, and, and set aside. Doesn't that put a spotlight on the importance of our own intelligence gathering authorities that are advising our legislators, that are advising our leaders who might make those decisions about our involvement in wars. Uh, those are very, very important aspects of, of who is able to understand what's true and what's right. Hey, let's get this focus because, you know, if you've got Russia, uh, it's, uh, it's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, you're concerned about how this has uh, developed and how violence has erupted. And uh, there's all sorts of other stories that are in the background that contribute to uh, a war like this. Uh, your thoughts here on Russia and Ukraine? Well, what we do know is that, is that the Russians have historically been, you know, been invaded from the West. And that goes back to, say, the French with Napoleon in 1815. It goes back to 1941 with Germany. And the Russians' the Second World War casualties were absolutely horrific. 30 million. Uh, just just clarifying something here as you're going, Andrew. When you say from the West, you're talking about Western Europe uh, rather than West as in the West that we think of as Western nations. I think that's what you're saying? Well, I am, yeah. yeah because, they, because of the fact that they are all kind of part of that you know, large kind of European continent, then it, it it hasn't been that hard for people, even even on horseback, to go from France to Moscow to 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 be and being involved in wars in the process. And when you get to say nineteen forty one, you've got you've got tanks to do the job, and so the the the, the Russians haven't forgotten you know what happened in those terrible years. So since then, they put great importance. On, on strengthening their Western defences from invasion. That could we blame them? So, so when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, its threat to the West that, that had led to NATO being formed was essentially gone. But NATO continues. Why would that be? Well, that's a good question. So before long, NATO began to push east bringing former nations from the USSR into NATO in violation of their commitments made to the Russians by the United States. So the Russians look at this and they see that their, their, their Western buffer defences, which they wanted to have, were disappearing. And that was troubling if you were a Russian citizen, if you were a Russian leader. So... Fast forward to 2014, and there's a U.S. instigated coup, a coup d'etat in Ukraine with a U.S.-appointed president. He's not even Ukrainian and couldn't even speak the language of the Ukrainians. So Russia immediately smells a rat. They see a U.S. puppet government installed in Ukraine, leading to Ukraine becoming a NATO member. Then U.S. NATO arms in Kiev and missiles in Kiev pointing at Moscow 750 kilometres away. The very thing their defence strategy was designed to fall store. So what does all this look like to the Russians? Well, it looks as if to them the U.S. is determined to poke the bear. That is, the Russian bear, regardless of the consequences. 
So fast forward to a few more years to 2022, Russia's bothered about this, really bothered, seeing as especially there are people in the eastern end of, of the Ukraine who are being attacked by the western end of the Ukraine. So they launch a special military operation in that place. And you've got Russian soldiers moving into the Ukraine, not with the force that they could have used, but rather more cautiously trying to avoid too much damage because there's a strong affinity between the Russians and the Ukrainians. Come, come September 2022, the Nord Stream, this is last year, the Nord Stream underwater gas pipeline in the Baltic, supplying Germany from Russia, is mysteriously blown up. The US have publicly opposed this pipeline and last February, President Biden said, if Russia invades, again, there will no longer be a Nord Stream 2. We will bring it to an end. I promise you, we will be able to do it. So you see here, Neil, that, the Russia, that, that they're, they're just supplying gas from Russia to Germany. All of a sudden, those pipes are gone. And what we do know is that US gas supplies could conceivably benefit if Germany cannot access Russian gas. But let's ask the question, is that the way to get rid of your commercial rivals? President Putin called this an unprecedented act of international terrorism. Any clues who might be responsible for that? It's interesting, isn't it, to reflect on uh, when there is international meddling in the politics of other nations, uh, we risk conflict. And as you're saying, it's not just politics here, uh, but there's trade issues involved in uh, who will benefit from the provision of gas to Western Europe. Uh, so, uh, yes, it, it, it can thicken, uh, the plot thickens, and no doubt there's numerous dimensions to the whole thing, but interesting to raise that one uh, as something that is significant. Let's come back to uh, some biblical foundation here. Uh, what do you conclude about uh, the way we think about these sorts of things as Christians uh, and how conflict might be uh, avoided or how you might actually involve yourself because you know when one side is uh, when we're when our allies are involved in war we're going to be involved in war as well and whether we're talking Russia or whether we're talking China here uh, this is a, a big issue for us all uh, back to the scriptures here how do we make sense here that's a good point Neil so the Bible tells us that uh, keeping away from strife is an honor for a man but any fool will quarrel that's, that's from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. World War I showed how easily nations can miscalculate their way into a dreadful war, especially through arrogance and miscalculation. Wars are easier to start, but they're much harder to finish. The US didn't think that Russia would intervene in the Ukraine, but they've been wrong. Will they be wrong again? History shows us that we've been here before and it wasn't good. Australia has sent half a, million, half a billion dollars worth of materials to the Ukraine and now we're considering sending army trainers to assist in the Ukraine. But my question is, and sort of closing with this now, wouldn't it have been better 
to keep right out of this very dangerous European conflict. And how will it finish? And as uh, I alluded, it's not just the European conflict, uh, but there's also China in the mix and issues around Taiwan. Uh, Those are another big dimension of what could trigger uh, what some are speculating to be a World War III. And somehow or other, we might find ourselves reflecting on this sort of wisdom, Andrew, and uh, we might find ourselves thinking uh, it would be honourable for us to stay out of a fool's quarrel, but somehow or other, we're standing shoulder to shoulder with our allies, and there is some value in that too, uh, not only for being involved in international conflicts where there might be a just war to fight, but also because if we are under attack, we might want our allies to stand alongside us. But tremendous to be able to reflect on a biblical wisdom around uh, fools and quarrels and uh, how we get some wisdom from God in uh, trying to stay clear of some of those things. Yeah, well, thanks, Neil. And it's always, I mean, there are Further things to discuss here, the whole issue of, you know, do we fight at all? I'm not saying we don't fight wars. I'm simply saying that we do have to be very cautious before we jump into these things uh, and make sure we have all the facts on the table because it's very, very common for deceptions to be perpetuated by one side of the conflict in order to obtain the support of well-meaning people in different nations. And that's what we must be cautious about because there, as you're pointing out, there are commercial issues, economic reasons, political reasons, strategic reasons why people want warfare. And we need to be cautious about all of those things before we commit to a further war. And we do like to dip our toe in those controversial waters too and discuss these sorts of issues from time to time. And Andrew McColl, great insights from you and uh, sharing too a little of your family history, which really makes you close to the game of uh, how do you deal with lies and deceit that sometimes accidentally start world wars. Uh, Andrew McColl, Family Voice Australia State Director for Queensland. Uh, Just to mention too, on the Family Voice website, undoubtedly listeners will be looking for uh, some guidance, especially those in New South Wales, around the New South Wales state election that's coming up. Uh, There'll be some surveys that Family Voice will do around uh, election uh, uh, ways that you can uh, to look at the both sides and uh, make some Christian view of how you might be uh, looking to vote in the New South Wales election. Let me point listeners to the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. I don't think there's too much survey detail up there, but uh, there usually is as we get closer to an election. Familyvoice.org.au. Andrew McColl, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's it's been nice talking to you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.